Well, God bless you, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is John Davis. Welcome to our study in the book of Esther. We have had such an amazing journey. God, is, God has taught us so much about intercession, about who we are, our identity in Christ. I mean, who we are as the bride, the intimacy, the, the availability that we have to be in the presence of the Father, to be in the presence of God, to, to be in alignment with His heart and to move His heart. I mean, moving the heart of God. Don't you want to say that you've moved the heart of God? I mean, imagine, you know, like let's say you're at your job or your business. What happens if the boss comes up and he is, he's been changed or, or you did something at the job that affected the entire company for the good and the boss comes over and he's, he's like, wow, he goes, I never, I never would have thought of that. Thank you for that idea. That was such a good idea that really helps our company. Doesn't that, doesn't that do something to you? Not that we're looking for the praises of man, that's not, but it's just a worldly example. It's a fleshly example of, of a spiritual principle of moving the heart of God and, and, and being into that intimacy with Him. And so we left off in chapter 8. At this point in time, Haman's been exposed. Esther has now petitioned the king on behalf of the people of God. The king has now bound Haman, the enemy and the adversary, being cast out of his presence. The queen has now I mean, risen to an amazing place in favor and relationship with the grace of the king, of the grace of God. And she is in this royal position where she has been able to save and to seek and to save that which is lost. It's amazing when you move the heart of God. So we're in chapter 8, in verse 1. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, Mordecai came before the king because Esther disclosed who he was to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. What did Jesus say? I give you all authority, right? To trample on snakes and scorpions. Nothing, nothing's going to harm you. What's happening here? Because somebody petitioned the heart of God, and because people got radically saved, that authority was given. She was elevated to a new place of authority in her walk with the king. Mordecai, the church, was placed in a new position of authority. Was given the king's signet ring. That means it had the king's seal on it. That means anything that Mordecai, the church, anything that Mordecai, right, Anything he decreed and he said and he spoke was now law. It was now the king's edict and people had to follow it. Jesus said, listen, you, you go in my name. You go and seal things in my name. You go and you have authority. The gates of hell will not prevail over my church. That is an offensive statement, not a defensive statement. Some of us are so defensive that we bind the enemy. You know, I'm going to bind Satan this morning. I'm going to bind him in the afternoon. I'm going to bind him in the evening. Well, listen, the book of Revelation says he's not going to be bound until after the return of Christ. Why are you binding something that you already have authority over? Take your position in the heavenly realms. The book of Ephesians says you're seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. Live from your position of authority, not towards it. Live from the authority of Jesus Christ, not towards it. It's very important for you to understand who you are and your authority in Christ. 
And so Esther, after petitioning, Esther, after fasting, Esther, after putting herself in the right position, has now been able to bring other people into their positions of authority in the kingdom. Listen to this. When the bride of Christ, when she, as an individual, as a group, as a church body, a small congregation, when you position yourself in the heart of the Father and in alignment with Him in prayer, in fasting, in petitioning, what ends up happening is other people learn their authority and their position in the kingdom. Then they can decree, this is what's called making disciples. Some people are saved, but they're not disciples. This is making disciples. Continuing on. Then Esther spoke again to the king and fell down at his feet and begged him with tears to advert the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme that he had devised against the Jews. When the king hung out the golden scepter to Esther, she rose and stood before the king and said, She's getting pretty bold now. Now she just goes before the king. She's not fearful. She just goes, Okay, king, now what? Why? Because when you're in relationship with somebody, you can ask them for things. When you're in relationship with someone, intimate relationship, and you've feasted with them, you've had communion with them, you've enjoyed the fellowship of his sufferings, you can ask him some things. Check this out. When the king held out his scepter, she rose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and I have found favor in his sight, and the idea seems right before the king, and I have his approval, then let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews in the king's provinces. For how am I able to watch the evil that will unfold against my people? How can I endure the deceit, the destruction of my kindred? See, Esther agonized over the destruction of the people of God. Agonized. And even in her position of authority, she still had reverence for the king. If it pleases the king. May I? She still had reverence for him. She still honored him. She didn't get so high-minded. She didn't get so full of herself, so prideful of the things and the miracles and the things that she had seen that she forgot who she was addressing. And there is a lack of the fear of the Lord in the body of Christ today, especially in the charismatic movement, which I would say that I am probably more a part of because I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But there's a lack of the fear of the Lord. We think that we can just run around and do anything we want. And God just loves. So therefore, everything's covered. Even if you deliberately sin against the Father in the church. And it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. We need to repent and get right with our Father. Verse 7. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, See, I have given Esther the house of Haman. And they have handed him over to the gallows because he threatened violence against the Jews. Now, as it suits you, check this out. Write in the king's name on behalf of the Jews. Listen to what Jesus says. In that day they will ask in my name, but right now they haven't yet asked anything in my name. If anybody asks anything in my name, in agreements, if two or three are gathered in my name, what there I'm in the midst. Why do we say at the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name? Because that is the royal seal of the authority. In other words, it's not just our decree, it's the decree of the king. So if we're not asking in accordance with the decree of the king, that's probably why your prayers aren't being answered. Just to be fair about it. You're not asking in accordance with the will of God. When you ask, you ask for fleshly means. 
You kill and you covet and you cannot have because you do not ask according to the will of God. You ask according to your own fleshly desires. But if you ask in accordance with his will and in Jesus' name, recognizing the Son of God and what he did and that you are to live holy, godly, and upright in this present time, it says this, listen, Now as it suits you, the king says, write in the king's name on behalf of the Jews and seal it with the king's signet ring because a document written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring cannot be repealed. What does that mean? It's final. When you ask according to God's will and you seal it in his name, it's final. It's done. It's finished. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. What? Receive the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. Then you will ask according to the will of the Father, because you're seeking the Father. You're not seeking yourself. You've denied yourself. You've denied yourself. You've picked up your cross, and you're following Him. And now you make decrees in the name of the King, in the name of King Jesus. You are an ambassador for Christ, is what the New Testament says. You represent Him. What you say, He says. What He says, you say. There's a song that says, Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say. What you pray, I'll pray. That Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He only did what he saw the Father do. Why are we not doing only what we see our Father doing? So the king summons the scribes and they write these things. This is verse 9 all the way to verse 15. I'm not going to read all of that. It's just legalities as to how this process takes place. But we ask in Jesus' name. Then it says this in verse 15. Mordecai went out from the king's presence in the royal apparel of blue, white, and a large crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple. Aren't we supposed to have crowns as followers of Jesus Christ? Aren't we supposed to have royal robes Don't we have spotless garments? Is what Jesus calls us. Mordecai went out from the king's presence and he was dressed in royal apparel. It says, The city of Susa erupted with shouts of rejoicing. To the Jews belonged light, gladness, joy, and honor. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can have joy righteousness, and peace. But we can still mourn for our brothers and sisters. See, you can be in right standing with the Father and still yet mourn for other people. It's okay. It's not, you're not going to feel jolly about mourning for somebody in sin. But it moves the heart of God. It's not just about you being happy. It's about the Christ and His body living on this earth healthy. Verse 16, to the Jews belonged light, gladness, joy, and honor. See, joy comes after we see. Jesus said that the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. But why did they come to repentance? Because somebody was praying for them. Somebody was beseeching God on their behalf. And somebody spoke out and was trying to make a disciple. That's what this is all about. And then there was rejoicing. There may be mourning in the evening. There may be sadness in the evening, but joy comes in the morning is what it says. 
In each and every province, as well as in each and every city, wherever the king edict and his decree reached, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Furthermore, many of the people of the land professed to be Jews because the dread of the Jews fell on them. Whoa, that's a big one. If the church would do all of the protocols of intercession found in the book of Esther, there would be people who didn't even want to be a Christian become a Christian. Because they're going to see it. They're going to see the joy. They're going to see the revival. People are going to come like in Brownsville and Azusa Street and all these revivals that took place. They're going to fly in from other nations just to come in and be a part of the revival that's taking place just because they're curious and they want to know what's going on here. Why are all the Christians rejoicing? Why are all these? They wanted to know in Esther's time. Why are the Jews rejoicing? The Jews were so happy and excited about the revival that was taking place and the authority that was given to them. They were so happy about that that even other people who didn't care anything about the Jews all of a sudden wanted to become Jews. And all of the people in the church, if they would come into the authority that they have and they would start casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, driving them, driving out the sicknesses from people, taking the authority over death, hell, and the grave, if they would take that authority, then other people would say, whoa, all of a sudden, I want to be a Christian. I don't know what that was, but I can't explain it, and I want to know more. But it takes a bride before a king, spotless and blameless, to bring about a revival. Listen. Chapter 9 and 10, and we'll finish our study on Esther. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, in the thirteenth day when the king's edict and his decrees were to be carried out on the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to have power over them. It says, the Jews had hoped to have power over them. Things had turned around. The Jews gained power over those who hated them. The Jews had assembled in their cities throughout all the provinces. And the story goes on. And what ends up happening? Get this. Get this. You can read chapter 9. Get this. Because they were given the authority, it says that not only Haman was killed, his ten sons were killed, and everybody that followed Haman was scared and ran, if not died. It says 75,000 people. Listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 16, chapter 9. But the rest of the Jews in the king's provinces assembled to defeat their li- to, to defend their lives. Some had rest from the enemies, while others killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But no one took from the plunder, because this occurred on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And they rested on the 14th day and made it a day of feasting. And then it says this. Check this out. Then they set up a day called Purim. Because the lot that Haman cast, the time he set to kill the Jews, ended up killing him. See, our enemy thinks that he's going to have a day of victory. But what's going to end up happening? It's going to turn on him. Jesus is going to return and smack him upside his head. And he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. See, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and to give life more abundantly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so verse 23 of chapter 9 says this, So the Jews accepted what had begun as a tradition. As Mordecai had written to them, Haman the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast the pur, the dice, the lot, to crush and destroy them. But when Esther, listen, but when Esther, 
the bride. But when the bride came before the king, he ordered by the letter that the wicked plot which the enemy, the adversary, had devised against the people of God should come upon his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore they called these days Purim on the basis of the casting of the lots of the purr. What a happy ending. What a happy ending. The thing that the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. Church, that is the story of Purim. That is what it means to be the bride of Jesus Christ. That is what we are called to do in these last days for such a time as this. Listen, would you join me in fasting and praying for the church? Would you join me in removing the sin from your life? Getting right before the Father. Walking in holiness and in reverent fear of the Lord. Understanding His love and His mercy and His grace and His kindness that He wants to extend to those that are lost. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. But the letters that are written in every language are on the page for us to follow. He's given us everything we need. He's died on our behalf. He rose from the dead on our behalf. He removed our sins as far as the east is from the west so that we would no longer live in them, which is a choice. He gave us the promised Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who is our counselor. Oh my goodness, if you have not listened to the Understanding of the Holy Spirit series, I highly recommend you get a copy of our Understanding of the Holy Spirit series so you understand who the Holy Spirit is, the adversary. The enemy is done. He's finished. His days are over. But you must walk in that revelation. You must walk in the understanding that the enemy has no authority but what you give him. And it's time for the church to support the church, to help the church, to love the church, to be the church. And I don't just mean on Sunday morning or on Saturday morning if you honor Shabbat like we do. We do both it's not just on the feast days or on the holy days that you pick of your choosing. It's every day. It's at the grocery store. It's driving down the highway. It's when you're in Walmart and somebody's on crutches and you stop and pray for them, tell them how much God loves them. It's your children's teacher. It's the people at the local library. It's the guy at the car wash slaving to make a living for his family and you're giving them a $1 tip, if any tip at all. How is that expressing the love of the Father? What about a restaurant? The waitress, who may be addicted to drugs and trying to get money to promote her habit. She needs one person to be the bride of Christ, to show her how beautiful and how much God loves her. Show her her beauty, her royalty that she can have. That's our job. That's our pleasure to represent our King. So I just want to leave you with a blessing. Father, I thank you so much for everybody who has listened to this. Every person who grabs a hold of this in your kingdom. Every person who is moved by this word. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to move upon the hearts of the people listening. Father, I thank you for releasing bride understanding, queen understanding, intimate understanding, of who your church is and who you are. Lord, release your presence upon them. 
Saturate them with your glory, your majesty, and your love. Hold out your scepter to them. Holy Spirit, move now. Put your finger on something that needs to be cleansed, something you've been speaking to somebody about, that they would move into that now in prayer and fasting, that they would seek you. Seek first the kingdom and Jesus' righteousness. All the other stuff, it'll be added unto you. You don't need to pray about that. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I promise you, it'll be something that you will never regret. Never regret. So God bless you. This is John from Fruit of the Vine Ministries. Father, I thank you for blessing these people. I thank you for listening. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Strength for the Hour. Our hope is that you have received rest, revelation, edification, sanctification, and truth. To learn more about this ministry and to be further strengthened in your faith, you can visit us at our website, www.fruitofthevine.wix.com forward slash fruit of the vine. There you'll find a link to our Facebook and YouTube. If you'd like to send us a letter, please write to Fruit of the Vine Ministries, P.O. Box 222, Louisville, Ohio, 44641. And for a final word of encouragement, here again is John Davidson. Thanks, Alex. You know, God anointed the New Testament writers, and the Holy Spirit spoke through them, and says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, listen, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, praise God, brothers and sisters, that the word of God was able to penetrate into our hearts today and that the Lord gave us strength through his message as he spoke the word through his word by his Holy Spirit to you where you're at in your home and in your atmosphere. So I just thank you so much for taking your time and listening to the word of God with us today. We hope that you've been blessed, encouraged, and strengthened by the word of God. So thank you so much. God bless you and keep you in his perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name, shalom.